Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have um, Julie Fitzpatrick and Mary Tate from um, the PA Downtown Center with us. Thank you for joining us, ladies. Thanks for having us. Okay. So Thanks tell me a little bit about your, your background. And you can, you can choose who goes first. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Mary. Oh, I'm making eye signals at you. you <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, my name is Mary Tate. Like Danielle said, I'm the field services coordinator with the Pennsylvania Downtown Center. And my role there is to um, assist primarily with the uh, designated Main Street and Elm Street communities within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And that is a program through the Department of Community and Economic Development in which we are the educational and uh, technical service provider. Uh, we also do third party contracts. So I have a couple of those uh, contracts that I work with as well, uh, geared towards the efforts of those communities. Um, but my background is in historic preservation. Uh, from my education comes from historic preservation, both my undergraduate and master's degrees. Um, and I've had the opportunity to work um, across sectors, so both private sector, municipal, and nonprofit. So I think the combination of all of that has really um, prepared me well to do the work that the Pennsylvania Downtown Center does. Julie? So uh, I've been with the Pennsylvania Downtown Center now for a little over 15 years. I actually started as uh, an intern when I was finishing my master's degree and um, have worked through different positions and uh, in July of 2019 then became the executive director. So I really, uh, most of the work that I've been, do been doing at the Pennsylvania Downtown Center is geared towards what Mary referenced of our third party contracts. And what that means is it's really more planning and technical assistance. So working communities through a community visioning process, helping them develop um, and build consensus in the community, and also very specific and implementable strategies and plans for that, um, that downtown or neighborhood or, or kind of general community in some cases. And um, my experience coming um, into the Pennsylvania Downtown Center, I've actually, um, my work experience is working in a, a locally owned and managing a locally owned pharmacy. So it's very different in, in that sense, and yet it really laid the foundation for me um, in building community and building relationships and an ethic of service that I, I think, you know, we really 
strive to bring to the work we do throughout the Commonwealth. Um, educationally, I have a background in art history, anthropology, landscape architecture, and then a master's in community and regional planning. And um, I'd like to give a shout out to Temple University because I think with Mary, she's got the western uh, part of the state and I've got the, the eastern part <laughs> of the state um, in that sense. But, um, you know, I think Temple was a great place to, to get academic and very practical um, experience and with the master's program in planning uh, I would highly recommend it to anyone who has any interest because it is so diverse and multidisciplinary and they really they brought a lot of practitioners into the academic realm that I think um, really positioned us graduates very well for, for what is faced or you know what we face on a regular basis but you know I think from the Pennsylvania downtown center perspective I mean we really do try to stay on top of some of the current issues and needs that that communities have the main street methodology has been around now for um for decades actually since 1980 and yet it's still relevant and i think you know that is a testament to the work that the national main street center is doing the national main street center is a subsidiary of the national trust for historic preservation so really rooted and grounded in um building off of what makes our communities unique and authentic and looking at ways that we can really maintain and preserve those characteristics while at the same time um, also looking at ways that, that we need to stay relevant. And I think now more than ever, whether it's the COVID crisis or um, certainly the, the civil unrest that, that we're dealing with in all of our communities, it's just for me another opportunity for Main Street, for downtowns, our communities, our neighborhoods, to, to really uh, demonstrate their position and their, their relevancy and their importance in, um, in our lives, really. It's not just about a business district. It's not just about where uh, you know, commerce occurs, but these are places, ideally, we're all working to create places where people are choosing to work. They're choosing to, to set up their businesses, to, to lead their lives, to, um, you know, grow their families. And, you know, I think if, if we could wrap up everything, you know, in, in a simple phrase or two, it's really about creating places where people are choosing. And I think that that <clears throat> was, it, it, it would definitely, I think, is a trend that's on the upswing. Yeah, and you, you probably feel that way also, but there was a trend for a long time of people you know, leaving the cities to, to, to go to the suburbs. And it's, I live, I live in Lancaster city. Um, and it's amazing to me the some, even the perceptions that continue even now for people that don't come into the city and Lancaster city is not big. <laughs> I mean, it's not a, it's not a big city by any means, but you know, I, 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 um, help a friend. Um, she, she's an acupuncturist and I was, I was in her office doing uh, paperwork earlier this week and somebody came and her office is also in town, but on the other side of town, but still it's in a very quiet, nice neighborhood. And, she, and, and the woman came in and said, how much rioting have you seen? And I'm like, you just drove through town to get here. Did you see any rioting? Like, but it's the perception. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think I'm really proud too of because I live outside of Lancaster as well, yeah. and I don't live I don't live in the city, but I live in um, a small town, the West. And you know, I, I have to say I'm so proud of our local leaders. Um, I, I agree. Central Pennsylvania. I mean, yeah. our 
um, or leaders in Harrisburg or leaders in Lancaster, because you know I think we're all really they they are leading the way um, with civil discourse, yeah. you know, and ways that we can talk about it. And you know, it's it's interesting too. I mean, the places where people um, have congregated, you know, yeah. are are our commons and our plazas and our greens, and it's mm -hmm. it's the place where we have mm -hmm. historically gone to to have our voices be heard and it's yeah. where we still go we're not yeah. going to the mall you know <laughs> right. we're, not, yeah. we're not going to the industrial park to have our our protests you know we're going to our downtown yeah and, so, and that's true i hadn't thought of that yeah yeah i mean i actually last night i, I uh, wrote our statement that we're going to be releasing um in light of of the current social situation mm -hmm. and um you know i think that 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 is another reason, I mean, why we remain relevant. Mm -hmm. Because whether we're going through a time where we have to, you know, socially or physically distance, there is still an incredible desire to want to be there. You yeah. know, we are social creatures and there's no better place to come together than in a downtown. And I think that's all of our network, the managers within the state of the Main Street programs and the Elm Street programs, we're so fortunate that they all want to be proactive. And we've mm -hmm. seen that over the course of the last couple months for sure. Um, and especially we had some really good conversations yesterday. We do listening sessions with our managers um, over the last couple months to see what they're experiencing and what they need help with. And so we've tried to be really responsive to all of that. And a piece that came out of that was Julie formed a recovery and resiliency task force so we're trying to address certain key areas. Mm -hmm. um, for example, we looked at farmers markets, um, lo the local places that we gather, um, delivery services, vacant properties. And now I think we're seeing kind of, due to the last two weeks, we're right. kind of a shift in, in some of the discussions and maybe some areas that we need to adapt to, to make sure that downtowns are equipped with what they need. Um, and how to handle conversations and address things that may be uncomfortable for people, um, but have to be addressed at this point in time. Yeah, I and I, I agree. I agree with that. And I think I was just thinking that as we as our conversation was kind of you know shifting a little bit, which I think is a good conversation. But I was thinking, you know, when we were talking about we were setting this up, we didn't even know this was going to be an right. issue. Like and 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 you know, we were, we were talking about the economic, you know, how to support small businesses, but now we have this whole other dynamic on top of it. And, right. and I think that would make your, your role and your, you know, how you're reacting to it very different. And, and I think that that's, it's, it's important to highlight, you know, all of the challenges that you're facing. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that so often we, we don't put enough, um, credence on is the fact that when things like this happen, we as a society need to allow ourselves to grieve mm. and, and really like work through all of those stages of grief. And, you know, again, I think that the, the places, our public spaces and our communities are, are the place to do that, right? Because right. we need to, it needs to be done um, collectively with one another it's it's not you know a process that you that you do you know in front of a computer you know at home it's it's when you come together and 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 congregate and you know unfortunately with the the current health crisis it's making it much more difficult but um 
you know, I think that when communities realize that, that, you know, we can't just pick up the pieces and then pretend as though it didn't happen. Right. We actually need to step back and, and really reevaluate it, evaluate it. And, and then look at how we can do things differently because, you know, again, like as you know, I think we're all thinking about this. Um, it's like, well, what is different than six months ago or what's different than a year ago? Or, you know, what's different from the, you know, the LA riots, uh, during you know the the Rodney King yeah, in the early nineties you know, um, right. event, you know what's different from nineteen sixty eight, and you know that's been brought up over the last forty eight hours, mm -hmm. and you know I would hope that what's different is that we're learning something, you know we're we're learning something as a society, and and that um, yeah I mean it's just it, I think again another reason why the work we do in communities, whether it's in downtowns or in neighborhoods, is is still very relevant. It's not, the need is not going away. Right. So are you, um, and, and um, I, I was just thinking, like, are you, do you have strategies for helping the downtowns with like some of the, the, the civil unrest or are you just kind of, you know, keeping the same plan that you had in place? Have, have you changed what you're doing with that or? It's, it's evolving. Okay. And it is something that, um, you know, as a nonprofit organization, um, staff can have one idea, but we really need this to be, uh, you know, a, a board decision. Right. And, um, you know, we do have members of our board from a variety of walks of life. Mm -hmm. So as much as we want to take action immediately, we also want to make sure that it's not a reaction right. and that it is thoughtful. And, um, you know, more than anything, the, the role that we can play as a statewide nonprofit in guiding our local organizations is important, that there's, there's things that we can help them with, but there's also a, a place and a position for us as well. And so, um, you know, we may not be leading the, um, the more aggressive, mm -hmm. I shouldn't say aggressive, but more of the protests, but right. we are looking at ways that we can help facilitate the dialogue. Right. And I, I think, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, a good example. I think it's important to note that each of our communities is experiencing things on a wide yeah. spectrum, right? So some places are having protests where others may not be experiencing it at all. So I see our role uh, as if a community should reach out to us and say, you know, how do we address that? Well, maybe it's putting together a, a rapid response plan for them where they they have all the different entities from that community come together and make sure they know who the point person is for making a statement or so that's where i see our my level of involvement to some degree not necessarily taking a stance one way or the other i think we try right. to be uh, cognizant mm -hmm. of of making sure we're we're looking at all perspectives and not necessarily making a judgment yeah and and i was i guess that was more I, that was i guess more what i was thinking about was like mm -hmm. are you helping to like coordinate the business owner so that they can yeah. you know because they've already you know had to deal with all of the the right. the covid stuff and now this especially in the areas that are having the protests i just was curious like if if there was something that you have but but I guess it makes sense to keep that at the local level and each let each organization um, or not each organization but each community to kind of 
fill that out themselves because every community would be different. Yeah. Sure. So then we, let's say uh, in response to COVID, we did a series of webinars looking at volunteer development or grant programs like emergency grant assistance or putting together a revolving loan fund, um, looking at virtual first Fridays um, to make sure that they did have programs in place and we do them and they're widely available. So, um, you know, people can participate if it's applicable to them and then hopefully take some of those pieces back to their community and use them um, as needed. Yeah, I thought, um, and I guess that kind of gets us into how, how, how listeners can support local businesses. I did think mm-hmm. that the um, meme, I guess that's, I, that's what I call them. One of, the, one of the interns told me that it's not a meme because it's not funny. I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> I don't know I'm the not, difference. I, I'm not. I'm not 20, so I don't know these things. <laughs> but uh, she, uh, the the meme that the um, uh, I guess the National Main Street Association put out for how to support local businesses early, maybe late March. I thought that was great. Are were there are there other things, or do you want to talk about some of those those ways that that our listeners can help support local businesses? Sure. Um, Yeah, I think the National Main Street Center did do a great job as far Mm -hmm. as really educating consumers. And, um, you know, many of our businesses, many of our business districts, uh, you know, I think were able to respond pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like we talked about earlier, I mean, there are, um, you know, varying levels of um, sophistication, maybe with some of the business owners, you know, and and, and also willingness. So in, in a time like this, I think we're not just talking about recovery, but we're also talking about resilience right. and resiliency. And so what are the things that, you know, if they didn't do it early on that they could be doing now in case we do, or when we do have another round of outbreaks. And so, uh, you know, really having a strong online presence, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's where for many consumers, that's that's their connection, right? They can't, in, for, in many cases, and um, particularly, you know, with us in the Southeast, you can't yet go into many businesses, right. but you can support them online. And, and, you know, I think more than anything, too, it's, we are, we need to speak with our dollars. We need to think about not just supporting local businesses as consumers, but also as um, other businesses. Are we as a business supporting our fellow business, the business to business activity? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from a local government perspective, are we making our communities business friendly and looking at ways to be able to support, whether it's in, um, you know, from a permitting perspective, a zoning perspective, um, r- parking minimums and those sorts of things to really encourage more locally owned, smaller, independent businesses in our downtowns. Right. So, and you know, and I think the consumer perspective crosses over into all of that as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, thinking you know, thinking downtown first, buying town, downtown first, um, really um, just educating ourselves on the importance too that that the dollar that a local dollar has in the you know from an impact mm-hmm. impact perspective in your local community and really providing support for those local wages. Um, You know, I think something else too that I just wanted to touch on that kind of connects what we were talking about earlier. Um, We've for a long time talked about disaster planning. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing to think about, um, you know, after a flood or after your business or, or your downtown has had a fire because you're responding to that. It's another to do it proactively. 
And so often we don't take the time to do that. And a number of years ago, we had a conference and it was all about disaster planning and looking at every single aspect of it from the, you know, uh, building to business to, you know, online, electronic, um, cybersecurity, like the whole gamut. And I don't think, I mean, it, 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 it was fine. You know, people listened, they, they took things in, maybe they applied one or two things, but no one that I know of really took the time and invested the effort in creating a, a comprehensive disaster strategy and plan. So, you know, when we talk about this resiliency perspective, my hope would be that that's something that we're able to do now, yeah. that we're able to look at ways that we can, you know, take action now so that we are better prepared for whatever the next thing is, whether it's another COVID outbreak, whether um, like in Erie, in downtown Erie, we had an, a number of businesses that were um, damaged by some some rioting and, oh, and yeah. things during the protests, um, whether it's a fire, whether it's flooding, whatever it might be. Um, but I think so often we just we don't think about it. We we forget. Yeah. You know, we're we're really maybe actively engaged for a while, and then other things come up, and it no longer becomes priority. So my hope would be that it, something along that realm continues to become priority. Yeah. And I think that's important because I think that, yeah, when you're doing your day-to-day -day business and you're just doing your work, you don't think about, you know, what, what, what will happen. You're just trying to get today done. <laughs> and I think, I think that that's really, I mean, it's human nature, but it's important to, it's important to have those plans in place. And especially yeah. as a, as a business owner. Um, and, and my husband and I, thankfully, um, he had a ton of um, fabrication that he was working on. So he just kept working in the shop by himself. So it, like, we really haven't been impacted, but um, you know, looking around at the other businesses and saying, I don't know what I would do. Cause some of them closed immediately and then tried to reopen, but nobody assumed they were open. Some of them stayed up like, and I said, I don't know what I would have done, you know, facing those choices. So that's a good reminder for me too, but it is, it's, it's, you don't know what to do in that situation. Cause we haven't, at least I haven't lived through this before. I mean, you know, anything like this. So, right. yeah. Well, and you have the sense that it'll never happen to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We yeah. Kind of as a society have that outlook, I think sometimes. Yeah. And this hopefully will put things into perspective. Yeah. And out of necessity. I think it has. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, to um, from your perspective, and you see you see across the, the the entire state, what challenges and trends do you see in preservation? Are you do you? I know I've seen a lot of um, articles, mostly from realtors, who are saying, "Oh, this is going to force everybody out of the big cities. Everybody's going to move into the suburbs because then they can, you know, be spread out and they won't be on top of each other anymore." Do you? Um, are you seeing those trends? I think it's still too early to see that, but I think they're just trying to sell their houses in the, in the suburbs. <laughs> do you, uh, what, what challenges or, or trends are you seeing? I think that's a good, um, it's a good point that has come up in multiple discussions. So I think, um, I think there is some truth to that where some people may want to move out. Uh, but like you said, it's too early to tell quite right. yet. Um, I do think there's some concern with the amount of commercial space that may be um, vacated due to people working from home and businesses reassessing their overhead and things like that. So that yeah. is something that we need to look at. But I think we also have 
um, looked at it as an opportunity from a preservation standpoint and how do we better use those spaces and making sure that our um, our communities and our municipalities are taking this time right now to get ahead of it and be proactive. So um, we did a webinar with the Pennsylvania Historical and Museum Commission last week about uh, how to use preservation as an economic tool moving forward in response to COVID. So um, taking the time to, and practice essentially, that's my dog scratching at the door. <laughs> um, but looking at uh, reviewing your ordinances and considering other ordinances that may need to be put in place um, to, to really be responsive to what's going to happen most likely. So I think the majority of us see preservation as an economic uh, development tool. Right. Um, but how do we really make sure that our the, uh, the groups that need to be involved with our communities understand that and really um, are all coming together to make sure that that's a priority and understand how to utilize it as a tool, um, not just saying, yes, we know this is important, and then taking a back seat. So getting right. ahead of it and making sure that um, the ordinances or the zoning or all those different aspects of preservation are put in place so that when people have the opportunity to invest or um, they're able to do so easily. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I. I yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think my fear is, though, that for some communities, this will just be like the straw, right? Uh, like right. The last that they've been looking for an excuse to not do something or sure. to demolish a building and that they could say, well, you know, economically, it's not viable. But right. I think that, you know, any any argument can be made um, depending on the will. <laughs> and, and so I think that, again, going back to what to reiterate what Mary said, I mean, it is important for the community to know where they stand. You know, what is mm -hmm. their ethic? Do they have a preservation ethic? Right. And what does that look like? Is it reflective in not just the the the, the ordinances or the zoning or having um, a harbor, you know, his, an, an historic district overlay? But you know, are they providing education to mm -hmm. homeowners to other property owners? Are right. they providing access to um, different kinds of incentive funding. Are they providing, uh, you know, information regarding um, consultants and right. professionals who can really, you know, are conservationists and, and preservationists and um, uh, really, again, going back to the ethic, value the, yeah. the historical piece that really, again, going, you know, has, that's what makes our communities authentic and real. And so it really does, it's, it's a values driven, not just economic driven conversation as right. well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a piece that um, it's that intrinsic value, I think too, like that sense of memory and heritage and what, when people think of preservation, that's not always, um, there are many different definitions of preservation or interpretations. And that's something Internally, our staff has conversations on um, how we interpret different terms. So I think that's something that um, we all agree on is that there's a sense of community in preservation and making sure that, that if that were to be taken away, then what, how would that affect your community and how would that change your memory and your heritage of that particular place? Right. One of those philosophical and conceptual 
conversations, but I think it's really important because um, sometimes people don't recognize that until it's too late and then you can't get that back. Right. Right. And, and I've, I've had that um, conversation recently about, you know, once you remove all the historic fabric from a building, it's just an old building. It's not, it's no longer, like, it's just, it's just a shell there. And, and not that you can't bring that back, but that's a lot more expensive than just maintaining it. And, um, yeah. And, and I think that's the same thing. Like after you take what is special in a downtown and I look at like the pictures of what Lancaster square looked like before the urban development in the late Mm sixties and those buildings and they just demolished them for concrete. Like it's, I don't know why anybody thought that was progress, but they did at the time. And so I think, (laughs) (laughs) and um, yeah, so I, I, I think that there, there, there needs to be like, that needs to be your, your starting point and your value. And then you can move forward from there, making choices that honor that value. Right. Definitely. So is, from the past as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, is there anything, I know we've kind of jumped around and talked about a lot of different things. Is there anything that you wanted to, to cover that we didn't get it, that we didn't touch on or that you wanted to share that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, I think for anyone who is like in this realm professionally and um, as volunteers as well, there's lots of ways that you can get involved. Okay. So um, we are a membership-based organization. So for anyone who's interested, um, you can feel free to check out our website. We do have a number of, of free resources as well, as Mary uh, mentioned earlier. We do have an, an extensive library of um, elements that we've developed uh, out of the last few months during the, the COVID crisis. Uh, we've got webinars and our listening sessions that are all archived and publicly available on our website. But for those uh, individuals or communities that want to get a little bit more involved and really work through a revitalization effort in their community or just take the effort that, that is currently happening to the next level, mm-hmm. I just encourage you to, to look at our website and um, the different uh, member benefits that, that we offer, plus the fact that it's, you're then becoming part of a network. Yeah. realizing that you don't have to do it alone, that whatever you're dealing with right now, another community has, um, has come before you. So, you know, we learn from each other. And I think that that's a, a, a true value mm-hmm. to being part of our organization. And, um, you know, just know that you can do, you can be involved at lots of different degrees. Um, and, you know, it can be, of local government that's that's working on the revitalization effort. It can be the revitalization organization. It can be a preservation organization. Mm-hmm. It can be a countywide effort as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, there's lots of different partners that can be part of of the effort in a community. And it's it's not just a one size fits all. Um, you know, right. one size, but you know, it, it is very um, diverse. Well, and and it helps if you get everybody involved because then you're you're making sure that everybody's voices are heard as you're moving forward. So more likely to get buy-in, hopefully. (laughs) That's a critical component of our work. Yes. 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 So, um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm assuming the website, but is there, is, is that the best way for people to contact you and find out more is, is to go to the website? Yeah. You can active on, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say we're active on LinkedIn um, and Facebook as well. Um, so we have Maria Worley handles all of that. So 
people can look for us there. It's Pennsylvania Downtown Center. Um, and we're, she's great at responding and uh, we're, we're, she tries to keep all of the updates uh, available on all, all of the social media platforms. Okay, very good. And I will make sure those and your website are listed also on our site where the podcast is, is put up. Um, and then we talked a little bit of, before we got started about the offers and you said that you have some webinars and I think you mentioned those on the website, but then you also have another, um, another series coming up. Is that correct? Yeah, we're going to be working with Donovan Ripkema and Place Economics. Um, normally, we have our conference, our annual conference in June, and um, in in light of us having to postpone this year's conference until next year, uh, we are going to be offering some some webinars that we're hoping to also be able to offer um, uh, continuing education credits for as well. So this this is going to be around preservation um, and as it relates to the uh, vacancy, the kind of value of a vacancy in your downtown and um, looking at ways that we can um, do some of this work ourselves and then and really understand the impact uh, and the opportunity that preservation brings to a community. So we're gonna be uh, formulating all of that information and then we will be promoting that uh, in another week or so. So okay. I would say look for that. Um, and also, if you need to reach out to us, you can um, connect to us on our website to um, each of the staff members. You can access our, our email directly there. And I think another way that listeners can become involved is anytime there's an opportunity for advocacy and reaching out to your local legislators, you know, it, our voice needs to be heard. Our voice needs to be loud and strong. And given that we do have a historic preservation tax credit in Pennsylvania, we need more support with that. We need more support for Main Street. Um, it's not just about the programs, but it's really about all of us really speaking up and, and being able to, to have our voice be heard and support what matters to us in our communities. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.